We took it all. We brought them to our land. An endless night. Ember hot and icy cold. The rage of the earth. We made this curse. Carved it in the blood on our backs. We did not see. We could not, but she did. And in the end... What will I become? Senwa Saga. Hellblade 2. Play it now with Game Pass. Hey everybody, this is Heidi St. John. Thanks for tuning in today to Off the Bench. Today is May 14th. It's Friday and I'm going to air part two of my interview with my friend Ken Ham, the founder of Answers in Genesis. You guys, this is an encouraging conversation about why we can have hope and what it's going to take to raise children equipped to tell the truth in a culture that's been permeated by lies. Stick around. I think you're going to be encouraged. So before we get going today, I want to remind you that I've got a brand new Bible study that just launched at Mom Strong International. We are studying the book of Jude and finding out what it means to contend. What does it look like to contend for the faith? We've got an awesome program there for you. The Kids Strong section of that Bible study is meant to help you equip your children in the Word. And Anchored, which is a brand new component to the study, is made specifically for young people uh, ages. 13 and older. So hope you guys will check it out at momstronginternational.com. All right, you guys, without any further ado, here is part two of my interview with my friend, Ken Ham, in progress. Mm -hmm. It's true. And I think we have sacrificed one on the altar of the other, you know, in this attempt to have our churches be appealing to the world. You know, we talked about the open door policy in our churches. We're really trying to be seeker sensitive. And what we've done is fail to educate the, the men and women of God in the foundational truths of the Bible. I recently spoke for you guys uh, for the Answers in Women Conference, and my my whole purpose in being there was to talk about context in the Bible and why we have to understand how to study the Bible. It's not enough just to open it up and do our little five-minute Jesus Calling devotional and close your Bible and say, well, I did that. It should be a study. It is a labor to study the Word of God. And our results, the results that we see in the culture right now of our unwillingness to do the work of studying scripture has resulted in a generation or two or three of biblically illiterate Christians. So we're talking about men and women who are doing exactly what you said. We're going to church and we're singing the songs and raising our hands and we're making sure the fog machines work and the lights are fancy, but we don't know God's word and we can't defend it. And so we're stuck. Yeah. And Heidi, imagine this. Imagine if the pastor or, you know, somebody in the church who was going to give the sermon for the day, or if they do have a sermon, if they said, you know what we're going to do today, we're going to have a test. And I want everyone to answer these basic questions for me. Where'd the Bible come from? How do you know the Bible is true? I mean, if, if, if you believe in God, how do you know there's a God? How can you be sure that you're saved if you're a Christian? How do you know that you're saved? And and if, if you believe the Bible is true, was there literally an Adam and Eve? Does that really matter if there was or was not? Why is there death and suffering in the world if there's a loving God? How do you explain all that? What do you do with evolution? Millions of years. What, I mean, you imagine you start asking those questions. How many people do you think in our churches really could answer those? Because that's what the world is asking. And that's the problem. If we haven't been taught to know how to deal with the world 
and to defend our faith, how are we going to cope with the world? Because, you know, 2 Corinthians 11.3, the Apostle Paul is a warning for us. Beware, as a serpent deceived Eve by his subtlety, so you're going to be led astray. The devil's going to use the same method on us as he did on Eve. And what was that method? Genesis 3.1, did God really say? In other words, the devil's going to attack the word of God and to get you to doubt and not believe the word of God. If there's going to be a Genesis 3 attack on us, we need to be saying, what is that Genesis 3 attack today? And the Genesis 3 attack today is an attack on God's word, particularly beginning in Genesis, where science has disproved the Bible, the Bible is just a book of mythology, how do you know there's a God anyway? I mean, all those questions that I asked, and many, many more, when I ask audiences, how many of you have heard of those questions, their hands always go up. And how many can really answer those questions? Hardly any really can. And so that means your children can't. And so they're likely to doubt God's word when those questions come up and walk away from the church, which is what's happened. Well, and you have done such an amazing, one of the things I love about your ministry and your your passionate commitment to truth is you recognize that we've got to start at the foundations, right? The foundation for all of it is Genesis 1 to 11. You have spent quite a bit, and I was just there again, going through the Creation Museum. I'm trying to get people to stop spending their money at Disneyland, <laughs> start going to places where you're actually going to spend your money on something that's going to build your family up and help you answer these difficult questions questions. You had a vision for the Creation Museum a long time ago, and I've been there several times, but you guys just revamped it again. And you and I walked through your pro-life exhibit, which is really something to see. Why is it so important for parents to start saying, listen, we're going to actually make a commitment to teaching our children truth and bringing them to places where they can actually see with their own eyes the truth of God's word illustrated? Well, you know, Heidi, every child who's born, in fact, uh, right from fertilization, but every child born is a being who's going to live forever and ever and ever and ever and ever in heaven or hell. And God says those children are an heritage of the Lord. They're a gift to us to train. We have an incredible responsibility. You can't take your house to heaven with you. You can't take your bank account. You can't take any material things, but you can take your children. And when you think of the fact that God has entrusted those children to us, they are beings made in the image of God. And right from when they're born, think about it, that when they're born, they don't know about Adam and Eve. They don't know about the Bible. They don't know about the fall of man. They don't know about the flood or the Tower of Babel or the call of Abraham or the babe in a manger or the message of the cross and the resurrection. The, the Bible says, God's word says, He's made it evident to all that he's creator and he's put right and wrong in our hearts. We have a conscience. Uh, He's written the law on our hearts, as Romans 2 says. But our job as parents is to train them and fill them with that biblical truth and equip them for the world, ready for the Genesis 3 attacks of, of our day. I mean, that's what we need to be doing. We have to be raising up those children to acquire a taste of the things of the Lord right from when they're born. If you don't do it right from when they're born, it's harder to acquire a taste for things later on. And, you know, a a lesson to learn here, if you think about Joshua crossing uh, the Jordan River, and then God, through Joshua, told the people to take 12 stones and build a memorial. So when your children ask, what do these stones mean? You will not forget to tell them. 
what God has done. And then we read that Joshua dies, the elders that were with him died, and then there arose the next generation who served Baal. They lost it in one generation because the fathers didn't tell the children. They didn't train the children. I think in many ways today, what's happened in our homes, most fathers don't carry out their God-given, God-commanded responsibility to be the spiritual head of their home. They basically handed the training of their kids over to the public education system because the majority of kids go there, which has become very atheistic and antagonistic to Christianity. They think that, oh, maybe sending them to church, you know, for an hour each week, that'll solve those, any problems there. Uh, we, 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 have, we have got to stand back and say, wait a minute, those children, we have to pour in that salt of biblical truth as uncontaminated as possible so that they can be salt out there, mature as Christians to be salt and go and witness. Instead, in many ways, we've let the world contaminate them and infiltrate their thinking and indoctrinate them. And we have sat back and really haven't taken the time to work with them. And, you know, we're living on this Broadway. The Broadway is really strong. We're living in the world and it is against God. And it's so easy that for for the world to drag our kids in the wrong direction, we have to work hard. And it's just like you said before, we've got to study. We, we've got to work hard and we should be putting the time into our children. They are an investment for eternity. There's my question for us. What legacy are you leaving in your children? Because that's what we're going to give an account for to the Lord. We took it all. We brought them to our land. An endless night, ember hot and icy cold. The rage of the earth. We made this curse. Carved it in the blood on our backs. We did not see. We could not, but she did. And in the end, what will I become? Senwa Saga, Hellblade 2. Play it now with Game Pass. Mm-hmm. You've been uh, taking a bold stand for, you know, all of your life, and for certainly as long as I have been familiar with the work of Answers in Genesis. And one of the things I loved about this book, and one of the reasons I was so honored and happy to endorse it, was because at the end of the book, you talk about the need to take a bold stand. And I started saying, I don't know, probably about six or seven years ago out on the road that I believe that this generation of parents is raising a very special generation of children, a generation of children that are going to have to know God's word and have to know their role in God's word and how to defend the faith. And the truth of the matter is, if we don't educate our children in the, in the ways of the Lord, the world will educate them in the ways of the world. And the lies that are around our children right now, everything from marriage to gender to, I mean, things that I thought would never come to fruition, we're seeing come to fruition. These are bold lies. And the only antidote to a bold lie is bold truth. And you're telling people in your in your book, hey, it's time. You got to take a bold stand. What does that look like right now? Wow, what does that look like right now? You know, build an the... ark. It looks like building an ark. Let's do that. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, uh, remember Jesus, uh, the parable that that he uh, gave in regard to you know the nobleman entrusting resources to people, uh, and then he he went away and he said, "Do business until I return." 
It's a reminder that God has entrusted gifts to every one of us, talents to each one of us, and he has gone to prepare a place for us. And we need to be out there doing the business of the king till he returns. I I just find a lot of Christians today uh, looking around and saying the place is so depressed. They're so depressed when they look at what's happening in our world today and they say we don't know what to do and they feel uh, defeated. And I say to people, you know, it, it look, Noah was one person, the Bible says, he was righteous. Only his family went on that ark, but he was prepared to build a great ship. Can you imagine the millions of people that could have been living at that time mocking him? The whole world was against him. We think we're in a bad way today. You know, there's a big remnant, and you've met many of them too out there, Heidi, of people who love God, love his word, stand in his word. I've seen some of these uh, younger generation kids who are on fire for the Lord. And think about Noah. He was just one person and he was willing to do whatever God told him to do. And he's in Hebrews 11 in that faith chapter as a great man of faith. And I often think about Noah and say, wow, if he could do that in the face of all those wicked people, every thought of their heart was evil continually, it says. Can you imagine the wickedness? Can you imagine the scoffing? Can you imagine the opposition he must have had? Yet he was prepared to do whatever God told him to do. And then I read about Daniel being willing to throw into the lions. And then I read about Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, who we're not going to bow down to your idol, O king. Our God can deliver us from this fiery furnace. And even if he does not, we're not bowing down to you. He can miraculously save us. But even if even if not, we're going to stand on the word of God and actually God delivered them from that fire. Where are the Shadrach, Meshachs, and Abednego's today and the Daniels and the Noah's? That's what we need today. And, you know, when you read Hebrews 11, they were sawn in half. They went destitute. You know, we, we think we're in a bad way now. It's, it's nothing compared to some of the things that have happened in the past. What, happen, what would happen if we were going to be thrown to the lions? Would we have the courage to stand on God's word? And that's what I'm, I'm saying to people. Look, look at what, what God has, has given us. Look what, what God has entrusted us with. It doesn't matter what's happening around us. We need to be bold. And that's why, you know, we've said we need to build a creation museum. We need to build an ark. We have been scoffed for doing uh, for doing what we do. We've been mocked at. We're, we're called intellectually bankrupt because we believe in a literal genesis. And, you know, when you stand for the Lord, you're going to get persecution. Actually, that shouldn't be a surprise. In fact, Heidi, I would say this. If you're not really standing as a Christian should, you're, you're not going to get that sort of opposition. In other words, if you're not getting opposition and you're not being mocked and scoffed at, I think we need to ask ourselves, what are we doing? Are we really standing as we should? No, we need to contend for the faith. We need to be unashamed, as, as uh, the scripture tells us. We're not ashamed of the gospel. As Christians, if we really believe God's word, if we really trust in him, I mean, if we really do, wouldn't we be prepared to stand for his word, proclaim the truth so that people would hear the word of God and we trust that God would change their hearts? Remember, we don't do the changing of the hearts. God does. We just have to be faithful in doing our best to preach the word, to defend the faith, to give answers. And if I can sort of give you the analogy, it's like Lazarus. And, and Jesus coming to the tomb of Lazarus. 
And he said, roll the stone away. Jesus could have rolled the stone away. He could have made that stone disappear. But you do what I've called you to do. Uh, you do your bit, your responsibility. You roll the stone away. You go out there and defend the faith. You give answers. You proclaim the word. But then Jesus did what they couldn't do. Uh, Lazarus come forth. The word of God raised the dead. And people are dead in trespasses and sin. We need to do our best to take God's word to them boldly, courageously, be equipped with answers so you can defend the Christian faith and then understand it's God who changes their heart. And no matter what happens, we need to be faithful. Yeah. And it really does take the pressure off of us when we realize it's not up to me to make this person believe. That's the job of the Holy Spirit. My job is to speak the truth unapologetically and to speak it in love until the Lord takes me home. I often think about the Apostle Paul, and he must have been a, a really hard hard guy to get down, right? The Romans must, he must have driven them crazy. You know, they said, stop preaching the gospel. No, I'm not going to stop. Fine. We're going to put you in prison. Well, to live is Christ. I guess I'll, I'll live in prison. Fine. We're going to kill you. To die is gain. They couldn't get this guy down because he had his heart and his mind set on not this city, but a city to come whose architect and builder is God. And that's where we want our mindset to be. And that's where our hope lies. And I love what you guys are doing. You know, every time we take our kids and we're coming back out, by the way, my friend, I'm going to be out there in about, I don't know, four or five weeks. I'm coming back out again. And, oh, make uh, sure I know when, so I can. Be, I will. Be I'm going to let you know. But my, uh, I'm bringing uh, several of our kids with us again, and they love coming there because it has. It you've done an amazing job of instilling a sense of wonder at creation and the plan of God and the role of our children and ourselves in the plan of God, which you clearly see as you walk through the Creation Museum and as you walk through the Ark. You guys are building. Are you building the Tower of Babel yet? Is that happening or no? Um, we've been meeting on that. That's going to be our next big uh, attraction to be built at the Ark Encounter, the Tower of Babel, because we want to really help people deal with the race issue and racism. And we're going to do it in a very technologically uh, advanced way. And, and you know, Heidi, at the Ark and the Creation Museum, one of the things that people have said to me over and over again, it really makes the Bible come alive. Yes, it and does help for their children. I mean, I've had little kids walk up to that ark and they're so used to the bathtub arcs we have painted on kindergarten walls in our churches with giraffes sticking out the chimney and overloaded animals about to sink at any moment or in lots of their children's books, they look at that ark, that life-size ark, and they say, wow, so big. Noah could have fitted all the animals on board. And that's the whole point. We brought them up in, in churches, in, in ways, you know, we, we, pitch, we almost picture Noah's Ark and the flood like a fairy story and kids get the idea it's not really real, it's just an interesting story. When they come to the Ark and the Creation Museum, they start to understand, you mean the Bible's, Bible's really true, this history is true, it makes it come alive and you start to really understand it. So mm -hmm. it's we're true. doing, in a way, we're doing what I think the church should be doing and that is teaching the Bible as a book of history and equipping them with answers to the to the questions of the world that attack the Bible and presenting the gospel and the Christian worldview based in the foundational book of Genesis and proclaiming God's word as truth. Yeah, it's it's a powerful, powerful uh, statement just to even see it. And it's not just that that's there. You guys also have really great food. 
you've got restaurants on site. It's it's a it's a feast for the eyes and for the mouth. And it's your, your bookstore is there. It really is a wonderful a wonderful place for people to go as families. I really want to quickly, and this is I just wrote it down because I remember talking with you guys about this when I was there last. You have a vacation Bible school program. We're coming up on uh, summertime now around the around the United States. Many many churches continuing to be locked down, which uh, you know you I have voiced my vocal opposition to many many times. But these programs that you have made available teach the foundational truths of the Bible. Can they get that just by going to your online store at Answers in Genesis? How do they find out about how they could hold a vacation Bible school right in their own backyard? Uh, yes. In fact, if they uh, go to our website and uh, do a search for Vacation Bible School, we have, we, you know, our Vacation Bible School uh, has, uh, our program has its own website as well. And they can just do a search for our website for that or just Answers in Genesis Vacation Bible School. And we've produced a number of programs over the years. We actually produced uh, a digital program last year. It's on our website. And it, it, it's called Incredible World. And actually, it has the music, the teaching, it, you know, the lessons, the experiments. It has everything uh, there. And it's totally free. And you can actually get that one free and use that at home and print off all the material yourself. The, the Vacation Bible School for this year that we have, thousands of churches using it. Ours is in the top three sold in the world. And the one this year is called Mystery Island, but it's really teaching children who the real God is, and and that is to be able to distinguish the true God from the false gods. And the one for next year, wow, it's going to be powerful. You know, our vacation Bible uh, school programs are really unique in that we have science experiments, we teach apologetics, they're evangelistic, we have great music based on the word of God, uh, and kids absolutely love it. And uh, we, we provide more helps than any other vacation school program that I've ever seen anywhere in the world. And the, and the one next year is going to deal with a topic that's so relevant in, in our culture. And I, I can give you a little hint, Heidi, and it's got something to do with that new exhibit you saw at the, at the Creation Museum. So, uh, our, um, you know, talking about uh, fearfully and wonderfully made. So, you know, our vacation Bible school is very unique. And, you know, we, we have a Sunday school program called Answers Bible Curriculum. We just released the first a year of the homeschool vacation, uh, homeschool answers Bible uh, curriculum, and and the uniqueness of what we do with our curricula, like vacation Bible school, our Sunday school program, our homeschool Bible curriculum, is that it's apologetics, it's biblical authority. We're teaching chronologically. We're we're teaching doctrine. We're teaching biblical worldview. A very meaty. Uh, that's what's different about us. Not not just teaching stories, Bible stories. I love it. I love it. And uh, you guys are doing an incredible work over there. I cannot wait to come back. And I wish you the very best with the book, Divided Nation, Cultures in Chaos and a Conflicted Church. My friend, Ken Ham, it is always an honor and a privilege to have you here. Thank you so much for coming on the show. Hey, my pleasure, Heidi. For more information on Ken Ham and the ministry that is Answers in Genesis, you can go to HeidiStJohn.com forward slash podcast. Scroll down to the show notes and I will link back to all things Answers in Genesis, and the book link will be there as well. Hope you guys have a great weekend. Love your families well. They are worth investing in. Every moment that you spend with them, it matters to the Lord, and it matters for generations to come. Thanks for listening, everybody, and I'll see you back here on Monday at the intersection of faith and culture. For more encouragement, visit me online at momstronginternational.com.